0: Listening to the Downtown Community Church podcast. My name is Delaney Stoner, and I'm the Families Director here at DCC. DCC is located in downtown Tallahassee, Florida, and our heart is to reach the city by loving God, making disciples, and being great neighbors. We'd love to have you join us as we gather each Sunday at 9:15 and 11 a.m. If you would like to make a financial contribution, learn more about DCC, or contact us, please visit downtowncommunitychurch.com. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon and thank you for being a part of our mission as we continue to spread the gospel to Tallahassee and beyond. Hey, my name is Ben, pastor here at Downtown Community Church. So glad that you're here this morning. A couple of things that you need to know. One is today is the seven year anniversary of my wife and I getting engaged. About third row, I appreciate you. Um, and uh, we spent the weekend in Appalachicola uh, Allie, some of you guys know Allie Jackson and Justin Richards. They got married this weekend there are um, some of our uh, friends here at, at DCC. And uh, anyways, <clears throat> we didn't have kids for the weekend, so we slept. Okay, Sue. So, so like you're looking at me, and you're like Ben, you look well rested. Yes, you're right. Um, so that has nothing to do. But sometimes I just feel like I need to tell you where I am in life. Um, we're in the book of James, and in James. Uh, it's a deeply, deeply practical book. We've said this every week, um, but James, who was the brother of Jesus, didn't believe in Jesus when Jesus walked on planet Earth. or kind of the half-brother, you know, they had a different daddy. Um, but half-brother of Jesus, and when he walked on planet Earth and Jesus walked on planet Earth, he didn't believe in Jesus. Um, it was after his resurrection um, that he came to the awareness that my brother is the son of God. As for anybody who has an older brother, you know that you would not believe that your older brother is the son of God unless he rose from the dead. And so James becomes the leader of the church of Jerusalem. James, who is deeply practi- or deeply spiritual, so spiritual in fact that the, the way that the Christian tradition talks about James is that his knees were scarred up and calloused because of the amount of time that he spent in prayer every day. Yet when James writes a book to the early church, It is probably the most practical book, practical how to live as a Christian in light of deep spirituality that we have in all the New Testament. Here's why. James believed and we believe that deep spirituality always, always, always has implications to how we live in practicality. That deep spiritual thoughts, deep spiritual ideas, our time with Jesus, our time in prayer, our time at church, whatever it is, that deep spirituality always, le- always implies or has implications or ramifications to how we live in practicality. And the reason that's important for us is this. We live in a culture where spirituality is oftentimes divorced from what happens on the day-to-day life spirituality is oftentimes divorced. What happens on Sunday, what happens in your time in prayer, what happens in your time as you read the Bible or you read your devotion, what happens when you, you know, gather together in groups or when you serve is oftentimes taken away from what happens in the classroom on Monday or the boardroom on Monday or just you know, your, your infant's room on Monday when they're throwing stuff everywhere and you're like, dear God, pray for this kid and pray for me because you know, I'm about to lay hands on this new believer. Um, but wherever you are, deep spirituality always has implications to practice. And today, I think, is one of the most practical weeks. And I think it's one of the most practical weeks because it's an idea or a thought that we oftentimes don't integrate with spirituality. There are some things when it comes to relationships, for instance, how we love people, how we care about people, that we know almost intuitively, almost implicit in the subject, is that it has spiritual implications if we were to be Christians. But one of the areas that I think is oftentimes the most untouched when it comes to spirituality, is planning, planning. Now, I know everyone woke up this morning and thought, dude, I can't wait, or maybe you're not a dude, like, you know, friend girl. You know, I can't wait to get onto church, and I hope they talk about planning, you know, because I got my calendar out, and I got my highlighter, and I'm ready to color code this bad boy, you know? It, a lot of us didn't do that because, let's be honest, most of us fall into one or two camps. Um, either you are the type A personality, uh, which you probably would have been at the 915 service if you were, but nonetheless, you've got like every single 15-minute section of the next like 24 months planned out. You know, it's like 15-minute, 15-minute, 15 minutes. 15 minute, 15 minute. It's color-coded. You've got your reds and your blues and your purples and your yellows and, you know, indigos or whatever that you have. You know, you have everything sectioned out. Or you're the person, you're like, dude, I have nothing planned, Right? And there's some of us in the middle, but if you're at one of the ends of the spectrum, let's just be honest, like nobody really likes you that much, okay? Like either you've got no clue, you're like, dude, have some kind of a plan, or you've got everything and you're like, you know, lady, friend, chick, you know, stop planning so much. But for, but for many of us, what's interesting is, is we make plans, we have intentions, what we want to do, and we know that somewhere in that, right, God integrates. Somewhere in the thought, somewhere in the plan, somewhere in the prepared, and it's usually a prayer, prayer that goes along the lines of, you know, God, lead me, guide me, direct me. And this is what I'm, you know, God, I've got planned for the day. And God, you know, would you please come alongside, or God, would you please help me to see, or God, would you please, you know, help these things to come if it's your will. What's interesting is James talks about planning, but he talks about in a little bit of a different connotation. Now, if you've got your Bible, you can open up to James chapter 4 um, as James launches into this discussion. And he says this, James chapter 4, we're going to start at verse 13. He says, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Now, let me give you a, a little bit of background to what is happening with James. As James begins this discussion, he's talked about, for most of chapter 4, the idea of of arrogance and humility. Arrogance and humility. He'll talk about the beginning of it and say, what causes quarrels and fights among you? What causes, you know, everybody to be at tension with one another? He said, isn't it that inside you don't get what you want? There's this sense, there's this level of arrogance that says, I want what I want. And when I don't get what I want, I'm upset. He continues on. He talks about how we should humble ourselves and we should wash our hands, we should purify our hearts. And then he continues on and he says, you know, and part of the problem of how humility or arrogance you know, works itself out if you're not humble, is there's this sense of judgmentalism that you look at other people and you're talking and you're accusatory and you're coming from a place of moral superiority. He says, but no, who are you to judge? Not that you shouldn't hold accountable or hold other people who are Christians to a biblical standard, but it should be done in humility that I have looked at myself and said, is there a plank in my eye that I need to take out? And as he launches into this, he talks about this third area of arrogance that I don't think we normally think of as arrogant. We just think of it as planning and diligence. And the truth is, the Bible does call us to plan. If you're not sure about that, read the book of Proverbs. I mean, it's just over and over and over, the plans of the diligent, the plans of the prosperous. And he talks about this idea that it is a good thought and a good idea to plan. But as he launches, he says, but I want to take a different perspective in their day, what would happen is they would have someone who was, um, they, they sold a good or a, a service, and they'd go and they'd buy it at one city, and they'd go to the next city, and then they'd sell it, you know, for however long, maybe it was going to take a year to go through all that product, and they'd go, you know, each city was known for something different, and so one city would be known for this, one city would be known for that, you know, Tallahassee, obviously, you, it would be known for registered sausage, you know, and then they would go to like the next, you know, and it'd be like grass, you know, I don't know, you're, you're like, You know, rednecks. You know, big trucks. You know, and they said you go to like this other city, and and you'd go and you'd sell this thing, and he'd say he was saying, okay, so I I know what's normal, which is for us to have an idea that this is what I'm going to do tomorrow, and this is how long it's going to last for, and so if that's you, he's saying, listen up, now, that's almost all of us, if not all of us, because whether I have it sectioned out in fifteen minute increments or whether I have it just as a generalized idea, most of us know what we're going to do tomorrow. Most of us know how long it's going to last for. Most of us have an idea of what's next. In fact, here's what's interesting. For a lot of us, this, this, for some of you who are in the summer session and you're kind of towards the end of your school, this might be the last little piece of, of school for you. And sometimes, or oftentimes, what's the most difficult thing about graduating is what's next. Because for the first time, you're unsure of the plan going forward. We plan so much. We assume so much that when we don't have that, there is this that oftentimes not just a sense of insecurity, but heightened anxiety that happens. And James said, okay, so if, you're, if, if you've ever been in that boat, or if you're currently in that boat, that you plan... And you plan, and you plan, and you know what's going to happen tomorrow, and you know probably what you're going to do, and you know probably where you're going to go, and you know about how long you're going to go for this next season of your life. And here's some things that you need to know as it relates to planning. It says this. Verse 13 again. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to this city or that, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Verse 14. Why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow? So think about this. You've got this, you know, th- this assumption. This is what's going to happen. This is where we're going to go. And this is what we're going to do. But come on, there's a lack of information here. Like none of us even know what's going to happen tomorrow. We assume tomorrow, but none of us know. Very rarely do we take into account or consideration the fragility of life. I mean, it's not, not to get too crazy, but like, like legit. In the next 10 seconds, anybody in this room's phone could start buzzing and our life change forever because of the information we're about to receive. But we assume, and this is where I'm gonna go, this is what I'm gonna do, this is what's gonna happen. And James says, come on, come on. First step, and he's gonna get to the point of this. The first step, is it just come with the awareness That we don't have all the information we assume tomorrow. We assume this is where I'm going to go. We assume this is what I was going to do. But the truth is, is we really don't know. He says, so what is your life? gets really encouraging at this point. He says, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. He said, "Man, we're like this mist. It, 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 sometimes when we think about this mist, it's like, oh, we're like a fog, you know, and it kind of burns off after a couple hours. It's like, no, no, no. The word here is, just like a vapor. It's like a mist. It's like, I shouldn't say this. It's like, it's like someone took a puff of an e cig and just, you know, and and and, and that's they said so that that's like our life. It's like on a really cold morning, and 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 you breathe, and all of a sudden it's there and it's gone." He says, "Come on, our life." Our life, to us, seems so significant, seems so big, seems so long, because as long as I've existed, you know what? I've been alive. So I feel like everything revolves and everything's gonna last and my existence is forever. He says, come on, let's take a step back here and realize from the perspective of eternity, man, we're just a mist that lasts a second. And then it's gone. And what he says next, we can wildly take out of context, but it's so powerful for this. Because what he's about to tell us is that though we are like a mist, we have been attached to a God. That my life is like a mist in the name of Ben, the name of downtown community church, will not be the name that reverberates through the corridors of heaven for the rest of eternity. But instead, perhaps, my purpose here on planet Earth is bigger than just this mist, this vapor that's gone. He says, instead, verse 15 you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Now, let me tell you what this is not saying. This is not saying you're like the nerdy Christian person who every single time anybody says anything says, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll go to lunch with you guys if it's the Lord's will, you know, brother. <laughs> like nobody, nobody likes you. I had a, I had a guy who, um, this is a true story. I love him to death, and he cracked me up when he said it. Um, we were talking, and he was he was about to go on a um, on this you know, big trip, and I said, "Oh man, don't your plane flight tomorrow?" He says, "Yeah." Um, I, was, I said, "Aren't you leaving tomorrow?" And he said, "Yeah, you know, um, I think so." And I was like, "Well, aren't you? Aren't you? You got a plane flight, right?" Like he said, "Yeah, you know, I got a plane flight. You know, scheduled for tomorrow at twelve I was like, "So you're leaving tomorrow?" He's like, "Well, I think so." I said, "What do you mean you think so?" He's like, "You know, if it's the Lord's will." I'm like, "Dude, no one likes you." Okay. <laughs> Because what James is saying is not like, hey, at, at, as an asterisk to every sins, as a qualifier to every thought, just say, oh, if it's the Lord's will. No, no, no. Here's what he's saying. Perhaps, perhaps God's will should not be integrated into our life, but perhaps the will of God should be the point of our entire life, and perhaps we shouldn't ask how God can integrate into our plans. Perhaps God should be the point and the function and the purpose of our entire plan. Perhaps the will of God in my life is the only thing that matters. This weekend, uh, Lindsay and I told you guys. I don't know if I said this or not, but we went to Apalachicola. Went to the wedding, got you know away from kids, all that kind of stuff. And um, similar to most folk, you know, when you go on a trip, you got to get some gas. And so we started heading down towards Appalachian. Um, you go down, you know, Adams, and you keep going, and you get past Capital Circle, and just on the edge of the other side, there's a gas station. There's actually two gas stations, and one's like 277 for gas, and one's like 268. I'm like, who's the rich dude that's blowing nine cents a gallon? But I digress. So we pull in, you know, and and and, and go to this gas station, and get gas, fill up, and then go down to Apalachicola. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, you know, that's kind of like us and God. You see, for a lot of us, Apalachicola is the destination, is the plan of our life, and we just kind of stop off with the side of Jesus and try to integrate that and fuel us to get there to where we already already, already wanted to go. As opposed to seeing it and saying, okay, God is the destination, God is the purpose of this plan. God is the function of this plan. God is the reason that I exist as a person because for me to exist in my life, for my entirety of my life, for only to be a vapor in the span of eternity and to spend it entirely focused on myself is such a waste. But he has given me the opportunity to say, man, God, whatever your will is, God, your purpose, your function, Your reason. You are the reason that I live, the reason I exist, the reason I breathe, the reason I move. In other words, God hasn't given me, if you're in small business, God hasn't given me my small business in order to help to see if I can't integrate God somehow into the fabric of my small business. Perhaps God has given you a small business to glorify him that that's the entire reason it functions that yeah you might also be able to provide for your family but the point isn't to provide for your family the point is to glorify god and then whatever happens as ancillary benefits of so that is fantastic But we want to take God and integrate him into this idea. As opposed to saying, God, you are the entire idea. You're the reason I'm in this job. You're the reason I chose this wife. You are the reason I chose this husband. You are the reason that I am going towards this retirement plan. You are the reason I chose this major. You are the reason I chose this school. You are the reason I'm taking this next step in life. You see, again, for us, we want to integrate God into the idea. And not say, God, whatever, whatever your will is. God, my life is a blank check. And you just write whatever you want, cash it, however you want, wherever you want. God, your will. It's so easy to attach that at the end of a sentence. But that's not what James is saying. He's saying, God, we're a a mist. He continues on with this, because sometimes I think we try to minimize this idea this is why we don't really think about it in the context of planning very often and what the future holds. Verse 15, to go back over, he says, Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. In verse 16, and as it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. And all boasting, all such boasting, is evil. And for a lot of us, we don't think it's evil. We just think it's planning. But let me, let, me just, let me just say this. As long as the focus, the function, and the purpose of our plans are ourself, and we try to integrate God in it, we will always be the center of our plans. And we will always be trying to figure out how God works into this. But when God becomes the purpose, everything else, everything else, revolves around that idea. When the purpose of my life is to glorify God. And so he says, man, if if in this you just have these plans and this is what I'm going to do and I'm just going to be rich and I'm just going to build my kingdom. He says, come on. If it's not towards God's purpose, if it's not towards his function, then it's evil. He continues on and he says this. He just makes it really apparent. This verse, by the way, in verse 17, has to do with these verses, but it also kind of in some ways su- uh, sums, as, sums up as a summary, which is repetitive, the idea that he's been saying through James. This is what he says. And so if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. He says, and so if I know, if I know that I'm doing something, and it's not God's will. If I know that I have a plan, that I have a purpose, and I'm not doing it, then I know for me it's sin. In other words, if I'm doing something in my life, if there's a part of my life, if there's an area of my life, maybe there's, you know, there's, there's a... There's a um, relationship that you're in and, and you know, and we've talked about this, you know, countless times that purity paves the way to intimacy. Purity outside of marriage paves the way to intimacy inside of marriage. And you know that maybe, you know, you're in, you're married right now, and, and there's some things that are causing impurity around you. Maybe it's a person, or maybe it's a computer screen. That you know that this is the good that you ought to do that you ought to get rid of that, that you ought to have accountability, that you ought to reorganize or whatever, but the function of your life is to glorify God. And to do anything but that, he says, is sinful. Not just wrong, not just, all oh, shucks, I'm a mistake, right? It's like the purpose of our generosity. The purpose of, the, the reason that we give isn't because God commands and God demands and God needs. Are you kidding me? It's because if God is our life, then that's what matters the most, right? Like, in a couple of weeks, we're going to do one of the most fantastic things that happens in our city every single fall, and it's called Florida State football, you know? Amen. Thank you, yeah. Willie Taggart's going to hit the field, okay? And I, it's, there's going to be some football players too, but I'm really excited about him. Um, shout out to Cam Akers as well, and, you know, some other folk. But uh, we're going to go, and in, 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 just like us, like, we're going to go spend some coin on some wonderful things about Florida State football, right? Like, we're going to—what's the new coach's polo look like? And then we're all going to tailgate, and some of us get season tickets, and some of you just, like, rogue season tickets off of everybody else. Some of you are students, so you're like, I get season tickets for free. No, you don't. You pay for them. You just don't realize. Nonetheless— we're going to go tailgate, right? And one of the things, I, you know, our meat company, we like we love football season because during the 4th of July, people cook hot dogs. But when it comes like tailgating, people are like, man, we're going all out. We're getting wings. We're getting sausage. I'm just thinking, check, check, you know? So... What happens, what happens this is we, we love Florida State football, and I am not condemning. I am a participant in that. But here's what I'm saying. I willfully do that because I enjoy it. But if our life revolves around God, if, if, if I realize that the only thing that matters is eternity, that I am not going to sit there and say, no, I just don't know if I can do that. And this isn't about our church, by the way. If you go to a different church, or if you're like, man, I don't know, these church people are, are you know, wishy-washy and money and all that kind of stuff. Like, dude, go to a church that you believe in and you can trust with your money. Like, don't go here, that's fine. But here's what I know. The kingdom of God is the most worthy investment and we make all kinds of financial plans around different things that will not last in eternity and perhaps the primary reason that God has given me a business is not so I can have you know, you know, future wealth for generations and generations and generations but perhaps because so, so people can come to know Jesus. That is not to build my 401k and to, be, to give me a retirement home and a, and a house on 38 and destined preferably two story. you know overlooking the water beachfront you know and if it happens you know lord willing that's what it is but perhaps that perhaps god has given to me for everything to focus around him and all i'm saying all i'm saying is this is for most of us at best we simply ask god how can we integrate you into our already existing plan and purpose As opposed to saying, God, you are the point of everything. And my life is a mist. And I want to spend this mist on what matters the most. Because we believe that God so loved us, he did not see us in our sins. He did not see us, though he would say, Anyone who knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do its sins, he knew inevitably we were going to sin and we were going to continue sinning. And we believe that God saw that and sent his one and only son into the world to die for us, for me, and for you. To pay the payment that inevitably when any relational rift has happened, when anyone has broken the law, there always, always, always is restitution to pay the restitution that we couldn't pay so that we could be made right with him, but not just transactionally, that he put his spirit inside of us, which says, Abba, Father. In other words, Dad. That there's intimacy. And we believe that that lasts for eternity. And we actually believe that God has given us a role to play and invited us in to the story of his redemption, of mankind. And that deserves to be the point, to be the focus of everything that we do. (laughs) In a silly way, that kind of deserves to be our cola. That should be the entire journey. So here's what I want you to do with with what you just said. In fact, I, I want to tell you, at the end of this, so so here's how you take this and start to think about it and integrate it in your own life. I mean, I'll tell you it via a, a story from my life. Many of you guys know when we started uh, DCC uh, came from a background in youth ministry, and the idea was pretty simple: that we would love God. Um, in other words, we would be just genuinely in love with God, and. We would help people to come to know him, right? To come to know God. Um, We would be making disciples. We would be helping people who, again, don't know Jesus to come to know Jesus. And people who do know Jesus to walk further and deeper in their relationship with him. And the other part for us is that we would be great neighbors. Because as we read through the New Testament, the idea of the church, or the idea of really what Jesus did and lived, was that he stood for those, he embraced those that were most marginalized and vulnerable. The lame, the sick, the poor the widow, the orphan. Those are the ones who Jesus, I mean, he just, he embraced. The sinful, he embraced. The farther, in fact, you were from God, the more, the more unlike Jesus, the more he embraced. And we said, we want to be a church who does that. And in our city, there are lots of marginalized, lots of vulnerable folks. But I grew up in a house where we weren't. I grew up in a house that we always had what we needed. Um, There were some issues, there was some stuff, and there was some divorce and lots of things, but we just never were really in need. We had some emotional need, but we were never in physical need. I never felt vulnerable. I never felt marginalized, and I knew that. So we were about to get married. I had proposed, um, and I had a little gap between the end of October, um, November, December, we got married in January, and... I was just praying, God, what do you want me to do with this time? God, I I had this little short season, this couple month period, you know, what do you want me to do in this time that would be honoring you, that would be glowing for you, and really would would be using this time well? So um, essentially what I felt God was calling me to do, and don't talk about it much because it gets really over spiritualized, but I basically felt that God was calling me, and I did for the next couple of months go homeless. Now let me preface that by saying this, the real hero in this story is my wife, okay? Because you can imagine you're about to get married. and It's like, hey, hun, you know what I'm going to do for the next couple months before we get married? Like, I don't know if I'm gonna take a shower or not, but I'm gonna be homeless on the street, so good luck finding me, you know? Um, so praise be to God for Lindsay, who said, okay. That's how I knew, by the way, that it was gonna work out. So for the next couple months, would wake up, we'd go to sleep in Lafayette Park and wake up in the morning, you gotta wake up before the sun comes up or else you're not gonna, um, you're kicked out because apparently people don't like, neighborhoods don't like you sleeping there. Um, And every morning when I'd wake up, I remember having to think, and if you've ever been homeless, you know this, and many of you haven't, so that's okay. Um, It's so boring. It is so, I mean, you just don't have anything to do all day. You just sit there and sit there, and sit there, and there's there's not for everyone, but oftentimes there's not a lot to accomplish, not a lot to do, and so you just sit there and talk to the same people over and over, and so I'd wake up in the morning, I'd walk out, and I'd say, okay God, where do you want me to go today? And this is very difficult to integrate into regular life, But I remember waking up and walking out of the park and I didn't have anything that I had to do all day, which sometimes I'm like, man, I need to go back and be homeless again. That was wonderful. But, you know, I'd wake up and I'd walk out of the park and I'd say, you know, where, you know, God, where do you want me to go? And God, by the way, I hope there's food wherever you want me to go. Um, But God, where do you want me to go today? Do you want me to go to the shelter? Do you want me to go to Lake Ella? Do you want me to just walk around? That sounds terrible, but if that's what you want me to do, I'll do. And I remember, you know, feeling that God, you know, kind of this direction, this pull, and I can't really describe it. It's just this weird, you know, feel type of idea, but just feeling like I was saying, you know, no, I want you to go to Lake Ella and I want you to grow. I want you to get, grow in depth and I want you to know these folks, many of which are still my friends. And I remember going there. And when I was there, let me, let me tell you what happened. When I was able to basically stop and say, okay, God, here's my plan. Here's my thought, but I will do and I will go wherever you want me to go. God, I'm just on your purposes, your functions, your mission. I don't know what you want from me. In fact, God, I don't even have a point or an objective to this two-month period. I just feel like it's something that you're calling me to do. And so where do you want me to go? I remember him you know, kind of having this feel in this pull. Okay, you should go to Lake Ella. You should, I want you to grow deeper with a few folks as opposed to just kind of generally knowing a lot. So I went there. And the coolest thing is when you go somewhere or you do something and the point is Jesus, you go there and you do that on a purpose and on a mission. This is why for some of us, you went on a mission trip, and it was this mind-blowing experience. Because you went to this country, this other country, this other place, this other part of maybe, you know, our country. And you served, and it was just, it was wonderful, and God worked, and God moved. And I feel like God's saying, look, look. That's what it's like when your only focus is what's God's will. That yeah, you have plans, yeah, you have intentions, but the entire purpose and function for you being there is simply to glorify him, to love people, to serve people, to help people come to know him. But that's the entire reason we exist. I remember waking up in the morning and feeling like when I arrived there, I was attentive to God, you know, is there something you want me to do, something you want me to say? Sometimes is there a fight you want me to break up? God, like, what do you have for me here today? And I'm just constantly spiritually aware. Let me just be honest. This is not something that I do well now. It is so, so, so difficult. Because we get stuck in our ways. We get stuck in our patterns, right? Life habits and habits, life habits and patterns. And we just go over and over and over and expect and expect and expect and do what we've always done. So here's, here's what I want you to do. When you wake up tomorrow morning, maybe before you go to bed tonight, here's all I want you to do is say, God, here's what I have. And if this is your purpose, this is your plan, God, I want everything, I want you to be the purpose and the function for everything that I do. And so if there's anything in this that you don't want me to do, help me to not do it. But God, would you please lead and guide and direct me? Because I only want to do what you want me to do. And give me the courage to say no to anything else. I only want to do what you want me to do. So would you give me the courage to say no to anything else? And it's not, God, would you help me in this situation? God, would you help me in this job? God, would you help me with this relationship? God, would you give me, yeah, yeah, we, we need that too. But God, you are the purpose of this entire thing. And if there's any misalignment, God, I am so willing. I am a blank check. I am a mist. Please don't help me to waste my mist because I was so obsessed with my plans. Because you're the only thing that matters. Man, I hope if you're leaving, I know some of you guys are leaving here, this kind of your last Sunday, a couple of our our key leaders, Maggie and Selena, I know you guys, and I'm sure there's some other folks around here, Man, here's my hope and my prayer, that that you don't waste your mist on stuff that doesn't matter, stuff that will not last for eternity. I hope that we can just get in the rhythm and the pattern of saying, God, whatever whenever, wherever, with whomever because you are the only thing that matters because your name Jesus is the only name that will reverberate through the corridors of heaven for the rest of eternity. And I hope if you're in here and you're not a Christian, you're kind of investigating this whole thing, I hope you meet a Christian who actually lives like that and I hope perhaps that changes the way you view God Jesus, Christianity, the Bible. When you meet a Christian who perhaps for the first time in your entire life actually lives like eternity matters. Let's pray together. God, I pray that you would remind us. You would help us to know, help us to be singularly focused on you, on your will, on your goal, on your purposes. God, our life is a mist. Here today, gone tomorrow. We're not even sure what tomorrow is, God, and that's, that's kind of generous because we don't even know what today, we don't even know what this afternoon holds. And so, God, for however long our mist exists, God, would you help us to be singularly focused on you and your kingdom, Jesus. That we would not waste our mist on things that don't matter, but perhaps just feel good to us right now. In anything, God, as we pray, would you just remind us to simply pray and say, God, your will, your desire, your purpose, your kingdom, your eternity is all that matters in anything. That doesn't push towards that direction, you would help me to simply say no to. Because I know that when I know the good and I decide not to do it, when I know your purpose and I know not and I decide not to do it, when I know your will, when I know your alignment, it's sinful. So, God, please help us to use this mist this little vapor, to glorify you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.